Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. I want to do a three-part series starting today called Good Fruit, Bad Fruit. Good fruit, fruit, get it out, versus bad fruit. Now, think about this. When you go shopping, how many of you inspect the fruit that you buy? Why do you do that? Because you want good fruit, right? You don't want to pay the price. So you know those containers with strawberries, for example, the plastic ones? How many of you turn it over and look in the bottom? Oh, yeah. I had a lady one time say to me, and this was potatoes, but I picked up a bag, and you know that little window in it? I sniffed it. And you know why I did that? I want to see if there's a rotten potato in there, because one rotten potato ruins them all. So this lady was looking at me like I was crazy, but I just said, they're nice potatoes. They smell good. And set them back down. But... uh, Or you pick over bananas. Sometimes I pick up bananas. They're so green, I think they came from Ireland. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just just green, green, green. But I want them to find good fruit. When I go to pay the money, especially this time of year, you'll go to the farmer's market, and you look through things, and they have lots of stuff, and you want to get good fruit. Because none of us wants to eat bad fruit. How many of you like to peel banana, and it's absolutely dark, dark brown, and you like it when it's like that. Maybe some of you do. Does anybody like it like that? I mean, it, it's just like melts in your mouth because it won't, it just, because it's half, three quarters there already. You know, so bad fruit. We don't like it, but good fruit. I want to talk to you a little bit about the things that we do and don't do besides fruit. If you are watching television, and I've noticed more and more on television that they're putting up disclaimers especially later in the evening when the audience might change a bit. And it says something like this. The following program contains violence, nudity, and coarse language. It may not be suitable for all audiences. Now that comes up after the commercial before it goes back to whatever the show is. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Now when I see that come up, It's interesting how I might react to that. The question is, do I turn the channel or do I turn off the TV? Well, I have to be honest with you, I don't always turn the channel. And I don't always turn just the TV off. Because I know perhaps if I've seen the show or the movie before, I'm thinking, well, there isn't any of that in there that I'm aware of. But they put that out anyway. They call it a disclaimer. And so the disclaimer comes up for us, which tells us two things. Firstly, we are being forewarned about what is in front of us. And it's giving a right or liberty to those who are producing it to do what they want and stretch the boundaries of what is allowed in society and say, hey, we gave a disclaimer. We said, hey, this is the chance. This is what you're doing. And then right in that moment, we say, wait a minute, there's freedom of choice, right? How many of you like freedom of choice? All of you like freedom of choice. 
right? Do you like to pick your own clothes? Do you like to pick your own food? Do you like to look over vehicles and say, I'd like to drive that one? Anybody here? We like freedom. So we have this freedom of choice in front of us about the disclaimer, for example, on television, and we say that freedom of choice applies to them because they did this, and I have a freedom of choice to decide what I'm going to do. And so that's me, but what about you? What about you when that comes up? What do you do? What runs through your mind, or are we just numb to the disclaimer in front of us and ignore it? Do we think that doesn't apply? It's not appropriate for all audiences, but I'm a mature adult. I, I, I love when, when young people are turning 16, 17, and then 18, because as soon as they're 18, now they're instantly an adult. So any of you young people, when you turn 18, think you're an instantly an adult, not. It doesn't happen. I know guys who are in their 50s who are still not an adult. Okay? I mean, so because, because, why? Because the disclaimers say things when you turn 18 change. Correct? So that's when you can make more choice. And so these things come into us in our society and into our lives. What do you do? Do you turn off the TV? Do you listen to the disclaimers? Do you listen to different music when it talks about horrible things? What do you do? And if I thought, if, I, if we pay attention to this, we're surrounded by disclaimers all the time. For example, a package of cigarettes. And so now if you smoke, I'm not attacking you, okay? Smoking is a habit. It's an addiction that many people I know who smoke wish they didn't. And other people don't mind. But I've read the package before and I've seen the pictures. And it took a long time for that to be finally won over, that that could be shown what it looks like, a lung and so on, on a package of cigarettes. That's, what is that called? That's called a disclaimer. So they're saying if you consume this product, this could happen to you. And so disclaimers are all around us. Disclaimer for foods. Man, I don't like the calorie count thing they're putting up now. Now I feel guilty. You know, you go in to order a Big Mac, and it's like your meal for the day. Without the fries and without even the drink, even if it's diet. You know, you read that and you go, oh, man, why did they put that up there? And some people go, well, I'm glad that's up there because then I know how much I should or shouldn't eat. They have their Fitbit and they figure it all out or whatever. You know, I'm not quite like that. I just go, if I eat that now, how many hours does it take to burn that off if I'm sitting at a computer. You know, I mean, the disclaimers are all over the place, and we have to make choices on how we're going to do things, this freedom we have every single day of our lives. And the, and the other side of that freedom is called consumerism. We're in a consumer society. We are consumers. We consume things, not just food, but everything around us. We want to be satisfied. We want our needs met. Isn't that true? Yes, we do. You don't go to see the... Let's say you have a problem with your leg and your knee really hurts. And you go to the doctor and you wait four hours or more. And you go in and the doctor's looking you over and you say, I have a problem with my knee, my knee hurts. And they look at it and look at it and they go, your knee hurts. You have a problem. No kidding. I came here to see if you could help me. You see, 
And so in our disclaimer society, in our consumer society, we want the need met. My wants, my desires fulfilled in a personal level because that's my freedom of choice. And in a culture that says we will accept everybody no matter what, that is about freedoms. The only ones who are finding they don't have freedoms are Christians. Because the more you stand up for Christ, the more there's pushback about freedoms. And yet in a culture that says we will accept everybody no matter what, and that's what Jesus would have us to do, to love people no matter their backgrounds, to love. The greatest of these is love, that we would love one another. That's what we're supposed to do, love our neighbors as ourselves, without question. But the freedom line crosses sometimes when it becomes a bullying or I will have my way because that's my choice and my freedom, and you can't speak against it. And so that's our society. That's what we face. Now, what does God say about all this? When I think of good fruit, bad fruit, freedom of choice, because God's given you something. It's called a free will. Not free willy, free will. All right, a free will. A free will means you have freedom to do what you, what you will, right? What you want to do, a freedom. So we're practicing up here this morning, And I'm thinking, I could do that beat or that beat. That's free will. But as long as I don't lose the beat, right? I can play around up there a bit. That's freedom. Freedom. We have free wills. So God has given you a free will. Isn't that wonderful? That we are not puppets and we are not robots. Certain things I sign up for now, it says, are you a robot? (laughs) And the first time I saw that, I was on, I don't know what it was on, something on the web. And I was... I don't even remember what it was, but it came up and it said, it was on my phone, I guess, my iPhone, and it says, are you a robot? Now, some of you can explain what that is better than I understand it, but my first thought was, you know, I remember the first robots way back, for those of you who are older, was uh, lost in space. (laughs) Yeah, so so check it out on Google, it's just ridiculous, Um, uh, with Will Robson, and they had this Danger, danger, warning, warning. You know, it was a square box painted with two stretchy arm things that looked like hoses for the back of a dryer. And then it had these painted hands and then a square head, you know, with two little things going, danger, danger, Will Robinson. So that, when I saw a robot, that was the first thing that came to mind. And I thought, no, I'm not a robot. <laughs> but isn't it good that God has not made us robots? We are created in the image of, the, of God Almighty who has a free will. And every fingerprint in the world is different. Every single person, every snowflake is different. By chance, by evolution, nonsense, by a creator who has a free will and, and made a choice. Made a choice to speak into the chaos And make something, and at the end of it all, you and me. Free will. The Bible says this. When you think that you have chosen Jesus Christ, I want you to know he chose you. He chose you. He chose me. Why do I say that? John 15, 16, NIV says, Jesus speaking, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Say you. Yeah. I chose you. And not only did he say that he chose, he said, I appointed you. So I chose you. You thought, you thought you chose me. No, 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 no. I chose you, and then I appointed you to go, just like 
in Matthew 28, go, make disciples, go, same word, and do something. Bear what? Fruit. Fruit that will last, and we'll be jumping more into that next week. But Jesus said, in the freedom you have, you thought at some point in your life when you said yes to Jesus, that that was your doing. No, it was my doing. My free will with your free will. But I chose you. And he adopted us into his family. You know, there's an old, old song that when I first became a believer in 1981, and uh, I didn't know any Christian music except Catholic because I was raised Catholic and the Latin and the Mass, and that's all I thought there was. But then I started hearing other music, scripture and song it was called, and all this kind of stuff. But there was one song in there that I heard. It said, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Do you remember that one? I mean, we haven't sang that in so long. Most of us don't even remember the words. But it's a truth that I belong because of the free will of the Father. Now I've been adopted in. I belong to the family of God. What an honor. What a privilege to be a part of the family of God. Never take it for granted. Ever. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Do brothers and sisters always get along? No. No, they don't. But as followers of Christ, Paul is always addressing this. Jesus addresses that as part of the family of God, it's a humbling thing. It's amazing grace. It's all about love. That Jesus said, I went and I died on the cross for you that you would experience this free will of my Father and that I would come and choose you and set you apart for my purposes as my sons and my daughters. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I'm a part, if you know it, of the family of God. Keep going. Cleansed by. That's for join heirs. Join heirs with Jesus. Travel on his song. Amen. I'm so glad I'm a part. Yes, the family of God. Do you ever think about the words we say when we sing? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God by the will of the Father. Romans 8, 29 and 30 in the New Living Translation. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them. Say chose them. Yeah, he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And he gave them the right standing with himself and he promised them his glory. Wow. Talk about a powerful passage of our relationship with the father. That we are in connected with him and he's chosen us. He's set us apart for himself. He's given us the right, the right and the privilege to stand. Now, to earn the right to get up here and preach is a calling of God. You earn that in the sense of his calling. The things that you do in ministry, God has called you to do. Jane spends hours, I don't know, how long have you been playing the piano, Jane? 
since she was six. And I remember playing the piano, not very long. You know, the metrodome, what do you call it? Metrodome? Metrodome. And they would set that, my, my music teacher. And she had a stick behind her back. And if I was playing the piano, I don't, I don't, don't you won't like what I play. But uh, anyway, I'd be playing away here and trying to follow the music. And then if I got the wrong note, she slapped the, the, the keyboard. It was a piano, actually. And she, and she was German, this German lady. And she'd go, keep the beat. <laughs> I kid you not. That's exactly what she said. Follow the music. Read the music. Keep the beat. Now I'm a drummer. And you can't get me in the cage. You can throw sticks and stuff. But you know, this, this amazing thing that he's given us the right to use what he's given us to stand with him. He, matter of fact, the scripture says, where are we seated, church? We're seated with him in the heavenly realms. The free will we have is amazing, and we need to understand this if we're going to understand bad fruit and good fruit. We need to understand our position in Christ that he has freely given us by the work of the cross. And so that is our calling, that is our position, and not only that, he's promised us his very glory. Thank you, Jesus. The very glory of the Father. Wow! Let's not take that for granted because he has chosen us God has given us this free will, but my free will sometimes gets in the way. I don't always understand the glory of God. I don't always appreciate. Sometimes I forget. I don't walk it out. And so I have to ask myself, what do I do with this freedom entrusted to myself? What do I do with what God has given me? Do I use it for my own selfish, fleshly desires? Or do I think about the will of the Father first? The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his, and then all these things will be added unto you. So what do we do first? We, the kingdom. So the kingdom. We want the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And the Father says, I've already given you the glory. I've given you the free will. I've given you the cross. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you everything you need that you can walk this out every single day of your life. And and I'm with you always to the very end of the age because you're seated with me in the heavenly realms. Folks, this is not just about flesh and blood. This is about the Holy Spirit and the working of the Spirit in our lives. Murmurings and groanings that we don't even understand in our prayer lives. And things of the heavens that we don't understand. Paul says, through a glass dimly we see things now. But the day is coming, our eyes will be open, And we will see things and understand things as Jesus has ordained. But until then, I have a free will that I walk on this earth. And what do I do with it? Do I embrace and live out good fruit in my life? Or do I demonstrate bad fruit in my life? Things that displease God. Galatians 5.13 says, You are my brothers called to be free. But, good old Paul, but do not use what? Your freedom to do what? To indulge. 
in the sinful nature or the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. So he says, I've given you this free will. We're called to be free. Hallelujah, Jesus. Christ said, when I set you free, you are free indeed. So we say, I have this freedom in Christ. What am I doing with it? What are you doing with it? How are we living this out every single day? Think about it. Think about it. April told me the other day that uh, when the plates are offered, we, we give through the envelopes at the back quite often. That's how I do it, like through the debit machine. I just find that easiest for us. But April told me, she said, when the, God told her that when the plate goes by, she's to, to empty all the money she has in her wallet. And I said, God told you to do that, but we already tithe. And she said, yeah, God told me to do it. Well, I'm not giving you much money then. No, I didn't say that. That's between her and the Lord. That's called freedom. Not judgment. Freedom. And you and I walk with this free will that he's given us, but what do I do with it? Do I point a finger at a brother or sister, or do I come alongside of them and show love? I have a free will to do that. And God has allowed me that free will And Paul says, but don't use that same freedom on the other side of the coin. Don't use that same freedom to indulge in that sinful nature. That's right there. The message says it like this. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to be free and have a free life. Yep. Just make sure. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want. Your disclaimer. To do and destroy your freedom, rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. So, do we walk in freedom, yes or no? Do we all have a free will, yes or no? Okay, so we know we have freedom and we know we have a free will. Do we have a sinful nature? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have this battle within ourselves. Where the flesh wants to rule, but the spirit wants to rule instead. And that's what Paul is starting to address in Galatians. You know, when you just jump in, if you read, if you want to go ahead and read Galatians chapter 5, go ahead and read it. But you better read chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 first. Because he's building up to something. Paul just doesn't leave you hanging there, you know. He wants to bring you to what it's all about. And as I thought about this freedom, I thought, what about people in the Bible, how did they live out their freedom before Galatians, before the New Testament? How did these Old Testament people live out their freedom that they were given, even if they they didn't have what you and I have today? They didn't have this understanding because the Holy Spirit is in us, correct? You don't come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. If you know Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. In those days, they did not. The Holy Spirit would show up for certain times and certain moments And for certain things. And there was a man named Joshua. And he learned to recognize the freedom he had and the things of the Spirit. But he also saw how society wasn't following. Even people who said they were. And so he had to make a decision. And towards the end of his life, when all the people were there, before we get into the book of Judges and when everybody did what was right in their own eye, 
Joshua 24:15 says, Joshua speaking to the people, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Freedom. Free will. He told the people this, that the choice was theirs, and then he said this is his choice. He says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you have that in your house? You have it somewhere people can see it. You know what that is? That's your disclaimer. That says when you walk in this house, you need to know this is a house where the Lord lives. And you need to know that. And we need then to live it. All the years that April and I fostered, do you think that every worker and every agency we worked for were Christians? No, not at all. And many times when we'd have conversations with some of the workers, especially when we were in Toronto, and some of the workers would come in and, and they were almost had animosity against us because we were Christians. Because for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I even had one man who was a Christian one time when we were, when we were fostering, we were thinking of switching agencies. And he took me aside and he said this to me. He says, do you take this Bible and Jam it down the throat of the children. I said, be hard to swallow. <laughs> Wrong answer. Um, I get myself in trouble. And uh, he said, no. He says, uh, he says, are you the kind of Christian who takes the Bible and says every word is true and you need to live it out? And I said, if I don't believe it's true and I don't live it out, then what's the point? I might as well go back and do drugs and drink and do all the stupid things I was doing before if it doesn't make a difference. But I want to tell you, I told them, it makes a difference. And if we're going to work for you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he said, guess you won't be working for us. And I said, I guess we won't. What do we do with the freedom we have? Joshua knew. And I think when I see that in our home, it reminds me there's a difference as a follower of Christ. For as Christ has chosen us, he's given us his free will. He wants us to see our homes, our lives, wherever you work, wherever you go. If you go to school, whatever you do, you are a follower of Jesus. And and you can put it on your locker at school. As for me and my locker, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's for me at this workstation. I will not watch pornography. I will not steal from the company. I will not do what I'm not supposed to do. As for me and my computer, I will serve the Lord. See, that's the freedom we have. And that's what the flesh wants. And that's the struggles that we all face. It's an amazing story of of Paul. Now, if you have it, I want you to turn to it in Acts 16, verses 25 to 34. Paul and Silas get themselves in trouble quite often, especially Paul. And after the conversion of Lydia in Philippi, we start to learn this story about Paul and Silas. And the story is about them being in the city, and there's a fortune teller. 
And a fortune teller is following them around, speaking, this is a man of God, and this is what they're going to do. And this went on and on and on, and finally, Paul had had enough. Do you ever have enough of somebody? You know, you just, you just, I've been going through it with Bell. Anybody else ever go through it with Bell? It's hard sometimes to be a Christian and be nice. You know? So we have a, a PVR. Do you know what a PVR is? If you have one at home, it means you can record stuff and then watch it later, basically. And uh, so we had a PVR. It wasn't working. This was in May. PVR wasn't working. And so I asked Stacy. Stacy's really good at this stuff. I said, Stacy, can you fix this thing? So when he came out with this 12-ounce hammer, I said, no, that's not what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> right idea, <laughs> wrong approach. Um, so anyway, so no, he played around with it and couldn't. He finally, I called Bell. They said, "Are you sure the PVR is not working?" And I, you know, in those moments, I want to say, "No, I've been on hold, going through all these buttons and listening to your horrible music for the last twenty minutes because it is working." You know, I just, you know, Lord, help me. And uh, and anyway, so I said, "No, it's not working." So we walked through that, and at the end of the conversation, because you know what they say, for quality purposes. This is being recorded. Now, do you ever think about the fact that they're going to go back and check those recordings? Because they do. I found out. But I didn't know that. So this guy, at the end of the conversation, I say, what do I do with the old PVR? He says, well, put it in electronic recycling. I said, okay. The new one will be there. And he told me that I could buy this, this special deal that they had on. Belt always has a special deal on for a day. Anyway, so... So anyway, so this, I could get this insurance, and then, and then it would cover the old PVR, and it was quite a deal. So I did everything this guy said, bingo. New PVR comes, guess what it didn't do? Work. <laughs> so I call Bell again, and I tell them, and they, did you do this? Yes. Did you reboot? Yes. Did you do this? Yes. I did everything it's supposed to, it says, you know, follow the menu. I did it all. Okay, we'll have to send somebody out. But what did you do with your old PVR? You haven't sent it back in yet. I said, why would I send it back in? You told me to put an electronic recycle. <gasps> he says, no, we don't tell people that. You have to send it back. We recondition them. I said, like the one I have now that doesn't work. <laughs> he said, we'll send somebody out. So he said, I'll tell you this, sir. He said, I'll, um, I'll make sure. I'm making notes. Now, make sure this doesn't show up on your bill. $500 for the PVR. I said, $500? Well, actually, $499.99. You know, kind of thing. And I said, well, uh, okay, thank you for telling me. He says, so make sure it doesn't show up on your bill. I get a bill. It's not on there. Hallelujah. The recent bill I got, e-bill, e it's on there. A $1,000 phone bill. Close to it. $989.83. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, like what? So I thought, ah, oh, Bell. So I got on the phone and I, and, and I talked to this person. I explained the whole story and they said, we would never tell you to put in electronic recycling. And I said, well, that's what I was told. No, sir, we would never do that. I said, well, that's what I was told. We'll put you through to somebody else. So they put me through to somebody else. I got to somebody else, and they said, how can we help you? 
I said, I just told, it's like going to a specialist, you know? The doctor sends you to a specialist because you have an ear problem, and they say, why are you here? Well, are you an ear specialist? Yes. Well, that's why I'm here. Like, I'm just, you know, sometimes we ask questions. My mom used to do this. We'd be watching TV, walk in. We're watching Star Trek, the old, old, old Star Trek. My brothers and I, she didn't like the show. It was too weird. We walk, she walks in. She goes, what are you boys doing? And we used to say, we're, we're snowboarding. I mean, just these questions. So they asked me, how can I help you? And I said, I just explained it to the guy. He says, well, tell me, uh, what, first off, what is your phone number? I said, you have it in front of you, your bell. Don't you have my phone? Sir, we need your phone number. We need your last name. We need your postal code. Gave him all that. What's your date of birth? Gave him that. He says, how can I help you? I said, so I told him the whole story. And he says, sir, we would never tell you to do that. You can lose your, your, your Christianity so fast. And sometimes you want to, you know? Anyway, so I just, I was polite, and I talked to the guy, and then I said, and he says, well, this will take case management to look at this. I said, so I'm going to be talking to somebody else. Oh, yes, within 48 hours, what phone number can we reach you at? You can't write this stuff. I said, the one in front of you on the screen. But I can give you another one if you want. No, sir, this is fine. Thank you very much. Can you keep that line clear for 48 hours? I said, I'll do my best. So a half hour later, my phone, I gave him my mobile. It rings. Hello, this is case management from Bell. My name is, you know, so-and-so. Yes. Can you tell me your first name, your last name? The same stuff. I gave him all that. And he said, now we've looked into this, Mr. Gulliver. And uh, um, I said, look, I'm not happy. I said, the last guy I talked to basically called me a liar. I said, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Jesus tells us not to lie. Silence. And then he says, well, sir, um, we have checked the tapes, and everything you said is accurate. And, I, and you know what, though, in between, in between, I set the phone down, and I said, okay, Lord, I need a better attitude because if somebody was here right now, I just might do something I'd regret. But, Lord, I just ask you to forgive me for that, and I just pray. You know I'm not lying. You know this is the truth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I just said, Lord, I give it to you. If we have to pay, we'll pay. But it's nothing we did. You'll have to provide. I don't have 500 bucks for that stupid thing. Lord, I just pray you provide in Jesus' name. And I left it. That phone rings. A guy calls. He says, we checked the tapes. You weren't lying. It's true. I said, I don't appreciate being called a liar. And he said, well, sir, we're sorry we made a mistake. But this is still going to show up in your bill, and you still have to pay it. I said, pardon? He says, we don't have the ability to take it off your bill. I said, but it comes from you. All you got to do is go to the computer, into the accounting department, and take it off the bill. I said, I think that's pretty simple. No, sir, it's an automatic withdrawal. We can't do that. I said, give me the loyalty department. I need to speak to somebody in the loyalty department. This is the loyalty department. I said, okay. Well, I tell you what. I said, I need to know this is taken off my bill. You see, we have a free choice in how we're going to respond to people in difficult situations. 
you can curse and swear, and you can be mad, or we can trust the Lord. I, I wasn't going to be pushed around. I'm not saying that. I was getting upset with this guy. Guys, several. And I finally said, look, has it been taken off the bill? He says, he says go on your E-line and you'll see we've taken it off. I said, you took it off. He said, sir, don't you check your phone by e-bill? I said, well, I do. He says, well, then go there now and you'll see we've taken it off. And I said, well, why did I have to go through all this to get it off in the first place? He said, this is just the process we follow. I said, it's, it's a poor process. I said, because right from the beginning, you doubted me and you thought I was keeping a broken PBR that would cost me $500. I said, who in their right mind would do that? He said, well, sir, some people keep the other PBR, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay. You see, we have this freedom on how we're going to respond. And the Apostle Paul, in the freedom that he had to respond, he said to this woman who was falling around, he had had enough, he said, in Jesus' name, and he commanded the Spirit to go out, and it went out of her, and the people lost their business. And as soon as they lost their business, the economy, because of Christians, they went after him, and they started almost a riot, they caressed them, they flogged Peter and Silas, and they put them in prison. And not only did they put them in prison, they put them in the center of the prison. That is the worst place of all. It's the darkest dungeon, it's the worst place of all, and that's where they put these two men. Now I want you to see what happens when I talk about a different kind of fruit. It says at midnight in verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. These guys have just been arrested, falsely accused, beaten. And then they're put there and it says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, this is so crucial for us in our lives. People are listening to us. So if this is being recorded as I'm talking to Bell, they cannot play those tapes back and say, this man swore and cursed and told us off. Didn't say he was getting a lawyer, didn't say this or that. Because you know what? God is teaching me and teaching us, we respond differently. These men are in prison, they're singing, and the rest of the prisoners, and who knows how long some have been there, they're listening to them. This is going on. Suddenly, it says, there was such a violent earthquake that the very foundations of this prison this Roman prison, was shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose, just like that. Whew. The jailer wakes up, so why is he sleeping? He wakes up and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he knew if he didn't do it, they would, the Romans would, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouts out, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Nobody left. The jailer, he calls for lights because it's so dark. They rush in and fall trembling before Paul and Silas because he had heard them too and he must have fallen asleep to their singing and praying. He then brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Whew. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others that were in the house and at that hour of the night, this jailer takes them, he cleans up their wounds, and immediately he takes them to his family, and they were all baptized. The jailer brought them out, and then into the house he sets a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. 
him and his entire family came to know the Lord. You know, we never hear about this jailer again, do we? We never know what happens to him and his family. But I'll tell you this, when you have an encounter with Jesus and good fruit starts to show up in your house and you start living the things for Christ, you have a different household. When a man comes to Christ in a family, that family changes without a doubt. So many of you women come to Christ before men. Not always, but so often. April was a believer five years before I became a believer. For five years, she prayed for me. For five years, she wanted to see our household different. But it took, it took for me to come to the point of suicide, as you know, for me to come to Christ. Just like this jailer was about to kill himself. He was about to fall on his own sword. And Paul says, don't do it. We're all here. Good news. And right away, this guy's like, whoa. But not only did he get saved, but his entire family came to Christ. They chose in that moment to say, you know what? I will let him take me the way he wants me, just the way I am. There's a problem, though, with good fruit and bad fruit. And the problem is our fallen nature. It wants to rise up and make the choices that go against good fruit in our lives. Instead, we want to make choices sometimes that are bad choices, are bad fruit. And none of us are exempt. Every one of us in this room falls into the same category. And we can't use the old adage. We can't use a disclaimer, the devil made me do it. We can't use that. We can't say, you know what, if you knew my family, it's generational. I inherited this problem. No. The gates were open and their chains came off. The moment you say to, yes to Jesus, he starts to deal with the stuff in our lives. He wants to see the chains broken and the gates open and the fruit to be different than it was before. Paul speaking, speaks into this knowing that we battle. It's called temptation. And they can hound us sometimes. Oh, Lord. Take control of my mind. I mean, I was so deep into pornography, the Lord had to get a hold of my mind. And thank you, Lord, that we have, we have leadership here that on Monday night called Clean Hands, I think in Pure Heart, they meet together, right? Am I right? Hello? Thank you. And these guys are meeting to deal with this and other problems. There's many ways that we can get set free, but we have to choose. We have to make a choice. And so when the enemy wants to hound me with those thoughts, I have to pray against it and take every thought captive onto Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? So I have to choose in that moment to take those thoughts captive and say no to the enemy when he entices me or he entices us. And so we need to talk about good fruit and bad fruit. Firstly, we need to see the freedom that we have can tear us down and those around us destroying our Christian walk try to anyway. They want to see the bad fruit. We can do it ourselves. We can have bad fruit in our lives. Secondly, I want us to see that this freedom can build us up and build those around us, releasing us into our Christian walk that we would have good fruit. Both of them involve freedom. Both of them have a free will. Both of them talk about the freedom in Christ and what we choose. 
So next Sunday, I want to talk about bad fruit. So, so don't bring it. But I want you this week, if you're out shopping, I want you to see if you can find some bad fruit. If you find bad fruit, take it to somebody who works in the fruit department and say, what are you doing with the bad fruit? What do you think they're going to say? Does anybody know? I used to work in a grocery store, so I know. Throw it out. What should we do with the bad fruit in our lives? Throw it out. They don't put the bad fruit on the shelf next to the good fruit at the same price and say, hey, this bad fruit is so awesome. You should try it. It's so bad. I, I came for good fruit. Ugh, boring. Boring following Jesus. It's boring. Oh, try the bad fruit. That's what you really want, isn't it? Hmm. Both involve freedom. And so I want to talk about bad fruit and what it does in our lives. And we need to see and understand to fully realize the depth and the breadth and the width and the height of the freedom that we have in Christ, that we can walk this out and not experience bad fruit in a consistent way that hangs around. And then the third Sunday, I want us to look at what does good fruit look like? What should it smell like? What should it taste like as we embrace the freedom? If I'm going to be a devoted follower of Christ, then there is to be good fruit in my life, but bad fruit wants to hang around. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they come, I want to to challenge us about our free wills. What are we choosing to say yes to and no to? What are we willing to do this week to see change? So I want you to do this. I want you to to seriously ask the Lord, Lord, where is there bad fruit in my life and where is there good fruit? What bad fruit do you want to work on in my heart and what good fruit do you want to bring forward? Why am I asking you to do that? Because this is a constant journey you and I are on as believers. Amen? This is a constant journey we are on. So what are you supposed to do this week? You tell me now. I just told you. What are you supposed to do this week? Ask the Lord what? Where the bad fruit is in our lives. Now, how many of you wrote that down? Because you're not going to remember when you leave. Put it on your phones. Put it on your tablets. Put it somewhere. You're telling me all of you are going to remember this. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Next week when you're here, I'm going to ask you to stand up and tell me what bad fruit the Lord showed you. Are you, are you volunteering? No. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But I bet you, well, I don't even bet. I think if we were honest, all of us would stand. But equally so, what's the other part of that? Ask the Lord what kind of good fruit is in your life and what he wants to do to improve that. Because that prepares us for what's happening next week and the following week. Because God is always working in us and changing us. And he's given us this free will, this amazing grace. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.